You are listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 29 West Tolpahawken Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. So tonight we are talking about, for the next few weeks actually, we're going to be talking about uh, the new creation, what that is, what that means, and how we participate in it. We're, we're expanding our vision for it. There is already a new creation here and now, uh, and through the power of Christ, we are a part of it. It's not like a distant reality. It's, it's a in-the-moment revelation. But we, uh, we have to develop some eyes to see because it's not always readily apparent. We were already tonight singing about Ye who long pain and sorrow bear. We know what that's like. We feel that in our lives. Um, We sang the first song. uh, I I jotted this phrase down. Now I can't remember the line. But it said something about invade my heart, invade this broken town. It was was our, our prayer to God as we started this meeting. So we know enough about brokenness and sorrow. So how is it that we are the new creation, that it's happening here and now when there is so much brokenness and division and suffering. We will keep revisiting this scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, um, 11 through 21. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. Excuse me, I'm going to read to you the second part there. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God. We'll keep working our way through this passage, uh, but this is the part I wanted to focus on tonight. I'm thinking about that phrase, worldly point of view. Paul is talking about a change in the way that they see, the way that they consider others and themselves. Uh, point, point of view, you know, in art has, has to do with angles and perspectives. Uh, artists can help us see things from a point of view for a particular reason. To get a different point of view, we need to move, usually. We need to take a different position, and this enables us to see things with new eyes. So the movement that we're talking about tonight is um, from rightness to righteousness. It's a move from getting it right to getting close to Jesus. Uh, when Paul was talking about the, the movement that happens as the new creation, he's saying, we used to regard Christ from this worldly perspective, but no longer. Paul himself entered, encountered Jesus, uh, and was radically changed. He literally lost his sight for a time. He was in darkness. He couldn't see anything. His whole point of view was, was being reorganized. And when he regained his sight, the whole world looked differently. The eyes of his heart, so to speak, were opened to Jesus and to the kingdom of God that Jesus was bringing. 
And he spent the rest of his life trying to tell people, uh, to help people see this new creation and to live into it. The old is gone, the new is here. Through Jesus, the new is here. So we're, we're working on living as the new creation too. And it's a dynamic process. It's not a static state. Uh, there is movement involved for it to be revealed. In the new creation, our particular attitude or way of considering something is new. We have a new position or a new point of view, different point of view in relationship to what's happening, both within us and around us. And that change in our point of view is only possible through Jesus. It doesn't come from our own power. And left to ourselves, we, we will try to live rightly, but the shift in point of view is about the righteousness of God being revealed in Jesus and in us. That is the new creation breaking through. So there's a story in the Gospel of Luke that I think will help us get there, hopefully. Can somebody read for us? Oh, there's a picture I wanted to show you. Uh, this story in Luke is about a woman who sees Jesus in a, a way that others around him are missing. She attends to him in a way that his host doesn't. And she literally gets down on the floor at Jesus' feet. She touches his feet. Uh, think for a minute about someone's feet you have touched. It might be a, a short list. Not many of us touch many people's feet. Maybe during Holy Week, we have a, a foot washing ceremony. Maybe you were around for that and participated in that. You might have had your feet washed or offered to wash someone else's feet. Uh, I think of also of our the mother blessings. It's a tradition that we have in Circle of Hope. It's like a ritual that where we surround a new mother for the first time in her transition as she is birthed a mother. And at one point in the ceremony, we, we massage her feet. Uh, I also think of loved ones maybe who have been bedridden uh, from illness. Being immobile for long periods of time can um, cause difficulty with your circulation, even just rubbing someone's feet to get them warm. When I worked in hospice, there was um, this incredible CNA who I loved uh, working with. And when she bathed people in bed, it was like a massage. And she just did it with so much joy. She would, with permission, she would turn on music and talk to them and literally massage their aching bodies. But not many of us touch people's feet. This woman does that with Jesus, and I want us to read this story and consider the posture with which she takes. Can somebody read for us? When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him and had as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and 
what perfume was it? When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. She's a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt for them. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Thank you, Robbie. That was Luke 7, 36 through 50. I wanted to read that whole story, or I wanted Robbie to read you that whole story. Um, the Pharisees were this group of, of first century, within first century Judaism, that wanted to obey God's rules as fully as possible. They were used to getting things right. And yet somehow this host missed offering Jesus the basic step of hospitality to greet him with a kiss and wash his feet after he entered from the dusty roads of travel. It seems like he's only focusing on his position of having the rabbi over for dinner. So much so that he misses the basics of Jesus' humanity. He fails to relate. When we are working out of a new perspective, um, I think it, it's, it helps us to look at the, ourselves in this story with each person. So relating to each point of view can stir up different things for us. So for me, I can recognize the tendency to be focused more on myself and my position, so to speak, that I fail to relate to Jesus. Maybe you can too. We all have many things to do in our lives, um, can fill up with work and family and responsibilities that we miss relating to Jesus in, in what we're doing. Jesus was right there with him, and he missed this, the intimate humanity of Jesus. And I love how Jesus says to him, Simon, I have something to tell you. It reminds me of when I get my kids' attention by saying, I want to see your eyeballs. I say that lightly, but I'm serious because I want to make eye contact with them. I'm waiting to have their attention because I know how easy it is to miss what I'm saying when their attention is somewhere else. And Simon's response is, seems to be that he's ready to listen. He, he, he seems to want to learn. He says, he calls Jesus teacher. Tell me, teacher. And Jesus gives him this story in terms that he can relate to, in a way that he can see himself 
and this woman with new eyes. It's as concrete and tangible as money. Simon, which of these owed a debt? Who will love the lender more? Which of these who owed the debts will love the lender more? And Simon seems to get it. He readily says uh, how, sees how one's awareness of one's debt corresponds directly to the response of being forgiven that debt. When I imagine myself with a debt that has just been forgiven, I'm overwhelmed with relief. I breathe differently. My stomach relaxes. I start thinking about how much this changes my life. Maybe you could recall in your mind a debt that you owe. Imagine it being forgiven in this next moment. You might start thinking about um, how you no longer have to pay it back. You're free from that. You can recognize how you might do things differently. You don't have to be uh, strapped to that payment every month. You won't make decisions based on that debt ever again. You could even start imagining what's next. I think forgiveness is as literal as that. And Jesus turns to the woman, and I love how he looks at her, but he keeps talking to Simon. Do you see this woman? Do do you see her? Can you see her in light of me? She is free to respond out of love. This is the love that you are seeing. This is love that you're seeing. Simon could only see shame and condemnation of her because that's what filled him. His striving for rightness, following the law, following the rules, could not actually free him from his own condemnation. It's kind of like a never-ending debt. We can't make things right by being right. We need divine intervention. From now on, we regard no one from this worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Though we once regarded ourselves in this way, we do so no longer. If anyone is in Christ, a new creation has come. The debt is gone. The new is here. Jesus is teaching Simon this new way. Be freed from your shame and condemnation. Be freed to love. Love is refined through forgiveness. It it is love that's the aim or the end. And Jesus shows us this through this woman. Her point of view is literally from the ground. She humbly comes to Jesus. She doesn't even presume a place at the table, and culturally it wasn't accepted. So where was her place? If if the town saw her as one who lives in sin, that's really all we know, whatever that meant, uh, and there was no way that she could be invited to the dinner table with Jesus, She had to come on her own. I think she's desperate to relate to Jesus. She just wants to get close to him. And we know this because what she does is costly. She's already vulnerable. And Luke, Luke identifies her as this woman that in town that lived a sinful life. So even though we don't know other details, that's enough to know that she already had a reputation. 
She already had a view of herself that was probably shaped by others' condemnation and likely of her own. And she comes to Jesus with intention. She stands behind him weeping. I think she's demonstrating her changed life already. She is bringing her love to Jesus, doing what servants would do, wiping and washing his feet. And she's using her hair as a towel. I think this is such a personal act. Her hair, her tears, herself becomes hospitality for Jesus. We don't know how she got this perfume, but she brought it as well, demonstrating that her willingness to pour out all that she had. I think this is a picture of new creation, not bound love that is not bound by sin. And Jesus told her directly, your sins are forgiven. She believed that it was possible and she acted accordingly. And her love is perfected through that forgiveness of her sin. We are living in the new creation when we believe that it's possible to be new and then act accordingly. Coming to Jesus to work out our loves. We seek forgiveness not in like an abstract kind of way, but in a concrete, weeping, pouring out kind of way. In the kind of way where we know we cannot make things right on our own. Our right living and our right doing won't save us. We actually end up uh, getting bound up even more in our rightness. The reality of sin does that. When, when our focus is on doing the right thing, being okay in and of ourselves, you know, like having Jesus over for dinner, we miss the need for our forgiveness. And our love remains only as deep as we're able to receive the forgiveness of God. And this is the whole point for tonight. That forgiveness is the key to living as the new creation. We have to be able to see ourselves as one for whom the whole debt has been paid. Experiencing that changes everything about how we live, how we relate, how we organize our hearts and our resources and our lives. We are no longer bound to sin. Our love is perfected in Christ. And that impacts everything. Our right actions are not an end in themselves. It's our love that is the end. But love then reorders everything. And the woman went in peace, not bound up in the condemnation of others or shame of herself. That freedom to live in peace comes out of a love that is refined by the forgiveness of sins. There is lots to go and do in this broken world. To be and to live out the new creation. But the forgiveness of Jesus is first. And Jesus is telling her to go in peace. Return to your life and your relationships made new. You have done a beautiful thing. You have come to me out of your need, out your desire to love. And you put yourself at my feet. Your sins are forgiven. The, the movement 
For us, shifts from our rightness as if we could achieve in ourselves this standard to righteousness of God, to, uh, excuse me, to the righteousness of God through forgiveness of sins. Jesus taught about this in lots of other ways. He said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The reality of living in the new creation and acting as a new humanity can only come out of the righteousness of God, which was made possible for us through Jesus. God's forgiveness for us is the starting point. Otherwise, we're striving for a rightness that will ultimately condemn us. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We can believe it is possible and act accordingly. And this is, leads us into the new creation. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect drop-down at circleofhope.net.